The following program is a specialty program. Unless otherwise identified, the participants on the program are not employees of Chorus Entertainment. Opinions expressed may not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. There are lots of lousy businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses. It's the art and science of money. My job has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi-Fi Radio from the Global News Radio studios in Toronto with Hi-Fi portfolio managers. Here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle. Welcome to the weekend, my good friends. You made it. And goodness gracious, the stock market did too. We survived. Well, for the week, uh, the aftershocks of the uh, coronavirus, uh, I'll tell you, it uh, certainly frightened a lot of folk. I uh, got a lot of calls uh, on the situation uh, over the last, let's say, 10 days. Uh, and the market has just taken it in stride. And I can't tell you how important that is. If you want to have any indication of uh, what kind of impact an event will have on your day-to-day life, Take a look at the market and uh, get a gauge. Which direction is it going, up, down, or neutral? Uh, and I'll tell you, the the, the market at, at these levels is, well, as a matter of fact, this week the market did hit a new all-time high. The Toronto Stock Exchange uh, hit an all-time high. Uh, the S&P, uh, uh, no, it's not there yet, is it, Jack? I think the triple Qs might be, the NASDAQ is, it's but not the It's bumping up against it, but I don't think it quite made it yet. And the Dow has not yet, has it? Uh, I don't think so, not, not yet. No, no, as of this point in but, time. But the market is certainly looking through the coronavirus right now, and they're also talking about uh, the stimulus that's potentially going to come out of China and maybe some of the unintended consequences, saying that you know economic activity may slow down, potentially the Fed may uh, lower interest rates, so that could stimulate uh, the economies. And you're also seeing a lot of Americans actually refinancing their mortgages at lower rates. So all those things, coronavirus is obviously very terrible uh, for the people that are affected by it, but it's having some unintended consequences where they may go out and stimulate the markets that much more. Well, um, we have uh, Jed Dorsheimer on the uh on the line here with a seasoned analyst uh, with Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, a very dynamic individual. Uh, a stock that he follows is, of course, the hot stock of the year, Tesla. Uh, Jed, thank you very kindly for joining us on Hi-Fi Radio this Saturday morning. You know, I, w- I want to start with our show promo uh, voiced by Warren Buffett. you got to wonder how I got Warren Buffett to do that. Uh, I just managed to pull it off. Uh, but he says, you know, there's lots of awful businesses out there and lots of wonderful businesses out there, and it's my job to determine which is which. Uh, and I I'd have to say, for the most part, the automotive industry has been an awful business for about two decades. Uh, it, you know, only, its only cousin would probably be the airline industry. But you know, things do change. Uh, the airline industry is a much better industry. Uh, the automotive industry has stabilized, Volkswagen included, with that diesel st- uh, scare. But this one company that's been defying gravity, and I am scratching my head, it's Tesla. So, uh, Jed, thank you for, for, for joining us. Um, you've been on the story for how long now, Jed? Two years. You've been on the story for two years. I want to actually, before we get into Jed Dorsheimer, I, I want to indicate what kind of individual Jed is. He's a very dynamic individual. Um, he sold cars. So, yes, Jed was a car salesman, uh, buyer be uh, warned. Um, Jed rides horses. Um, that's like sort of fossil fuel free. Not really. I don't know. Is it or isn't it? Carbon uh, neutral, maybe. Ca- carbon <laughs> neutral on that one. Um, he was a competitive downhill skier. That really caught my attention. Um but uh, he was also, or also, I guess, is, was, practiced rocket scientist. Uh, so uh, that, that, that's a big plate uh, to carry around. Um, and he's now an analyst. Um, so, uh, Jed, a lot going on in your world. I'm, I'm, I'm delighted to have you back on the show. Uh, where to begin with you, my good friend? Uh, ESG is a big theme this year. Your Tesla uh, went vertical this week. Um, my good friend, you know, the, the situation in China. There's so much you can share with the audience. We're going to keep you 
on for the bulk of the show, Jed. Uh, yep. and, and please, where do you want to begin with the conversation? Because we're going to go in a lot of different directions today. You, you know, I think uh, probably a good beginning would be your comment about Warren Buffett in uh, – and, you know, what I would chime in in terms of good businesses and bad businesses is um, is probably rate of change. I mean, one of the things that uh, that I am, am probably lucky enough to uh, to have had exposure to in my uh, uh, careers is um, is that of disruptive technologies and how to identify uh, and how to see those changes. Um, that's always been a, a bit of a gift uh, and, you know, if you look back at my career um, uh, on Wall Street, that is, um, you know, it really began in telecom and seeing how color screens would change uh, handsets and from green screens. Remember those old RIM when RIM first came out with the, the monochrome and that go into color and, and that kind of changing the ARPU, the average revenue per user for the uh, telcos which were all underwater at that time. This is circa 2003. Mm -hmm. And that was all driven by the LED. And so my background in ultra-wideband gap, uh, uh, you know, I'm not a rocket scientist, but do have electrical engineering background. And so my, um, my understanding of LEDs and seeing how that was the linchpin to kind of move to color screens and handsets, to me that was clear that it would reduce the resistance for communication. And no surprise, it solved that uh, challenge and led to a very successful career for myself and for Canaccord in the, uh, uh, in, in the LED sector. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, when I look at having, uh, you know, done some work at Canaccord on Wall Street, done some work for the U.S. government in terms of policy, and then run a Fortune 500 and kind of coming back full circle in this, uh, in this crazy career, mm -hmm. I see the same uh, patterns, just the details are different. And I apply that to that of mobility. And it's, to me, it all comes back to efficiency. And that's kind of how, um, and maybe that's a good place to start, if you want, on uh, you know, this trend and how I think that's going to change, frankly, a you know, 100-year-old business model in terms of automotive. And uh, I guess, uh, you know, what uh, Elon is doing is trying to bring sexy back for the uh, for the automotive industry. Well, Elon is a very, very sexy individual. I have a, the utmost uh, regard for that man. I think most of us do. Um, it's exciting to, to watch a few iconic individuals uh, make history. And there's no question, Jack pointed out to me this week, that the history books will look favorably upon Elon Musk, we believe. Uh, the question is, good business, bad business, and what you pay for it. Uh, we have Jed Dorsheimer on the line for the whole show. Uh, he's an analyst with Canaccord. He's, he's involved in what's called sustainability. Uh, and, of course, that ties into Tesla. Uh, a theme of the year, without question, is ESG, which stands for Environmental, Social, and Governance. A um, lot of speak about that, a lot of writing about that. Uh, it's going to become a very crowded trade, but there certainly is money to be made. Part of the reason probably why Tesla has risen of course, because it's green. I want to challenge that concept a little bit about the carbon all in with the Tesla. Uh, with Jed Dorsheimer, our analyst, it's going to be a fun show. You stay tuned. It's Hi-Fi Radio on the Global News Radio Network, 640 in Toronto. Money. Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.
Yeah. That makes you feel good, doesn't it? So, um, you listen to Hi-Fi Radio. It's on the Global News Radio Network, 640 in Toronto. I am Wolfgang Klein, host of the show. I'm a money manager. I help people just like you have more money. Uh, that's my job, and I'm very good at it. And uh, what makes me so good is I have a good partner named Jack Hartle. Uh, we care about you. We're here for you. No question too small, no question too big. No account too small, no account too big. Uh, for us to certainly discuss with you how we can perhaps help you one way or another. Um, Tesla has been on fire, my good friends, and uh, certainly making headlines. Uh, very tempting to uh, retail investors. Uh, so uh, we brought Jed Dorsheimer on the show. He's going to stay with us for the entire show. Uh, lots going on uh, with Tesla. And uh, off air, he uh, said, uh, Wolf, it's interesting that you made reference to Elon being a sexy human being. Uh, I'm going to pause and throw it over to you. So what caught your attention with me making that statement, Jed? Yeah, so so Elon, I think, uh, it, you know, uh, the joke was the launch of the cars in the lineup would spell sexy. So the Model S being the sedan, the Model 3 was supposed to be the Model E, but I think that was trademarked, so that it became the Model 3. Uh-huh. X, of course, with the wings, and then the Y. Um, spell it, it's sexy. And so I think that was one of the points. Elon always has a pretty good sense of humor, and, uh, you know, as in with the boring company that he, uh, he created, right, for boring holes. Uh, and so... Um, that was, you know, the, the lineup. Yeah. Well, that, and that's that, that, why I joked about that in terms of bringing sexy back to the automotive industry, which has been a hundred plus year old business that has seen very little innovation since, you know, uh, uh, since the advent of the Model T. Jed, let me ask this question. I'm just looking at your model here. Because uh, what, mm-hmm. what, what I cannot get to, through my thick head is how can Tesla be worth more than General Motors and Ford in aggregate? GM and Ford pay a dividend. They have a reasonable balance sheet. They have known brands that are all over the streets of the world. I see the odd Tesla here and there. But how can this company be worth the aggregate of, of, of the big two automakers in North America? They're coming. The competition's coming. We know that. And I sat in, in the Tesla. Say what you want about it. I'm, just, I'm playing the other side of this trade here. Say what you want about the Tesla. It still has four wheels. It has a sound system. It has no dashboard. I don't even like that. I want something that's sexy to look at. So, And, and sitting inside it, I think the BMW is sexy, especially when the lights are on. I get a computer monitor in the middle of the car. I don't really like that. Um, it's green, I, I understand. But, uh, again, it's been challenged. You can't do anything with the batteries. They're going to basically become fill. Uh, they, they can't be properly recycled unless you, you you take the temperature down to minus 300 Fahrenheit. So I can I think I can poke some holes at this story. But what got the stock going so aggra- up 100 bucks a day for what, two, three days in a row? It did. And then I think we heard another uh, another uh, news writer talk about it. The fever broke and it went down 100 days in a day. So it's certainly not a, a stock. Uh, we've got a lot of retail calls on this name, Wolf. And I would say when you have a stock that's moving like that, it's very dangerous for the retail investor. So I'd be very cautious. But uh, I think to your point, what what got the stock, Jed, to move up so much aggressively and then also have that fever break and then went right back down? Yeah. So um, you raised a lot of good points. So I'll, I'll, uh, I'll start and then just remind me if I'm, I'm missing some. So, uh, you know, I guess the first one in terms of comparing, I, I think we need to start to get away from comparing to a GM or a Ford, for example. Yes, they sell a similar product. It's got four wheels. It gets for us from A to B, how we get there is very different. 
And if I looked at a GM, and I don't currently cover uh, that stock, so I'm not giving any stock advice on uh, on GM or any investment opinion. Um, but if I if I looked at a company that owned assets uh, in transmissions, and we uh, agree, so my take on the move to electrification and the move to battery electric is that you're four times more efficient than an internal combustible engine. A gasoline engine is less than 20%. Uh, an electric motor is 80%. And so that's kind of my driving. It's a first principle argument that I look at in terms of efficiency. It's more efficient, and therefore you can get the lower unit economics. That's my overriding thesis in terms of uh, how I look at the, the world, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So if we look at a, you know, a balance sheet and you look at those assets, I might argue and push back and say those aren't assets. Those might be liabilities if your future product doesn't have those, right? And, and we saw that happen in, in uh, General Electric, for example, in terms of uh, uh, shifts that occurred and, and cleanup associated with that. So I think you have to get away from that. And also, you know, I, I, I'm old enough to remember the arguments against Amazon. It's a Barnes & Noble. It's a bookseller. And Amazon, as we all know, has transformed into something much bigger and larger uh, and diff- vastly different than that. I'm not saying that. But, but yeah, what, but what, again, I, okay, I asked myself the same question. You know what would make that car different? And I would say then it, it, it has legs. Put some wings on it. But it, it's got four wheels. It's still a car. So what? Like how much different can it be? Uh, you know, so, un, under the hood, the powertrain, we don't really see the electrification versus the, the consumption of fossil fuel. It's still the same. I, I think Jed makes a good point that when you look at technology and you look at a company like Amazon, you look at a company like Google, Back in the mid-2000s, 2004, 2005, people didn't understand the, the transition and disruption that these companies were going to bring to the market. I'm not justifying Tesla's valuation. I'll let Jed go through his numbers for you. But I think that the market misprices sometimes disruption and innovation. Yeah, but Google's competition was the library, and I never went to it. I, I, I didn't go I, I, No, I didn't go to the library. I use Google all the time. Uh, so, but, but, but people uh, always push back on valuation on those companies. It was, uh, Amazon didn't have earnings for so long. Google was trading at we had 50 to, to 100 yeah, times Amazon earnings. Was the first e-tailer this is a car company am i am i missing it i would argue it it, i i would actually push back on you it is a car company i think it's it is more than that and so it's a tech company too but so is domino's but domino's being clear again i'm having fun with you here jed look i'm getting the wrap we're gonna go to commercial break my good friend we got jed dorsheimer on he's an expert in tesla he's an expert in sustainability he's an expert in esg he's not a rocket scientist jack uh you listen to hi-fi radio global news radio network 640 in toronto you stay tuned now don't go anywhere there's more great show after this you're listening to hi-fi radio from global news radio 640 toronto let the good times roll Let them knock you around Let the good times roll Let them make you a clown Welcome back to the show. It's Hi-Fi Radio. Uh, I am Wolfgang Klein, Portfolio Manager with Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, Jack Hartle, right-hand man. Uh, we have Jed Dorsheimer on the line. Uh, Jed's out of Boston. He is with Canaccord Genuity. Um, he focuses on sustainability. He covers Tesla, the hottest stock of 2020 without question. So, Jed, it's more than a car, is it? Okay, tell me, how is Tesla more than a car relative to my Volkswagen? Yeah, das Auto. Well, let's take Volkswagen for a second. 
It's the largest auto manufacturer, and I'm glad that you uh, you used that as an example, right? And uh, so they own 50% uh, ownership of Porsche, their flagship brand, and they put out the Taycan, and it's a beautiful car. And as you, you know, from a feature uh, uh, comfort perspective, um, you know, probably has all the bells and whistles that you would find uh, sexy. Um, yet, under the hood, um, or in this case, uh, you know, in the in the battery pack, in the drivetrain, the skateboard, uh, it only gets 200 uh, miles of range compared to uh, a Tesla that's at uh, 300 plus. Significant. So, so the Porsche gets, is limited to 200 miles uh, at twice the price as a Model S and mm-hmm. three times, four times the price of a Model Three, and yet Tesla is getting double that. Um, so. You know, I often hear this, that, that you know, moving to battery electric simplifies and, you know, you just toss a, a motor and a battery pack and an inverter on this skateboard and there you have and there's not a lot of te- technology. And what we're seeing is actually quite the opposite. There's a significant differentiation. And I would argue that, that comparing battery electrics right now would be in comparing Tesla's lead would be akin to a company that's manufacturing an internal combustible engine with twice the miles per gallon as somebody else. And if I came to you with a BMW that had twice the miles per gallon as your VW um, with the same creature comforts, you would say, hands down, BMW wins. Correct. Right? Correct. So that's kind of what you have playing out here. And I think part of the challenge is this is new. And the markets always misprice disruptions. No question about that. Disruptions. Uh, hey, what about the um, the headline that uh, Jack and I were chewing on this week? Great Britain uh, post Brexit. Uh, boy, they got guts. Um, they are going to um, make combustible uh, cars verboten uh, post twenty thirty five. Well, I think you're going to see more and more of this, particularly out of Europe mm-hmm. and. Uh, you'll see where where you'll see regulatory uh, actions that will be favorable to battery electrics. Again, mm-hmm. my perspective is those are all great. They might accelerate things, and you have to know about it. Um, but the view is really one from uh, I believe that battery electrics are going to get to a fundamentally lower cost basis because they're ultimately more efficient. Um, and therefore, the unit economics will actually be more attractive than that of their uh, uh, um, traditional brethren. Uh, so, you know, I'm all in favor for seeing more regulatory action that pushes towards this trend. I don't think it necessarily is needed. I think it does help. Um, I think you're going to see more and more of that, particularly out of uh, Europe. Well, I've traveled Europe quite a bit in the last couple of years. And I'll tell you, uh, back in the 80s when I went to, to uh, Innsbruck to ski, um, and you, you know, you're a skier. You've skied, you've skied Europe, obviously. Have you skied yep. Kitzbühel? Have you skied Kitzbühel? I have not. You have not skied Kitzbühel. Uh, what kind of a skier do you say you are, my American not friend? Good, I guess. I'm just teasing. <laughs> I'm just kidding you. Um, but back in the 80s, uh, in these ski towns, for example, you could smell diesel fuel everywhere. The buses would stand at the sit, sit at the side of the road. You know, from your hockey trips, I'm sure, Jack. Uh, you did, yeah, take, up north. Hitting the road on the bus. It was a diesel bus, and they would keep that bus 
idling in the parking lot till the boys got back on into the bus. Uh, but but no, when it was, so you go to you go to Holland now, go to Amsterdam specifically, and all the canals were once well, all the boats on the canals uh, were once powered by uh, combustibles. They are now putting solar panels on them. They, they, it's mandated that fifty percent of all vessels in the Amsterdam canals be powered electric, and you can notice it in the quality of the air. So those Europeans are certainly on to something, which would frighten me if I were a Magna. But again, I want to go back to something, Jed. Okay, you're you're comparing a Tesla to a uh, a Porsche electric vehicle, and hands mm-hmm. down, Tesla has the lead. I see it. They have the uh, the they, they've been working longer on the electric vehicle. They they have Elon Musk. They are smarter and better at electric. They are the best electric vehicle on the uh, on the uh, planet. I'm going to make that statement. But if I compare, for example, I don't know, you, you take a BMW or an Audi or a Porsche. I sit inside that vehicle versus sitting inside the Tesla and then driving it for 500 kilometers. I don't see a huge difference, and that's the difference I'm looking for. Why even switch to electric uh, in the first place? Well, there's a couple reasons. One, if it's uh, uh, one is uh, of efficiency and, and cost, and so if I can get to, as I say, eighty percent efficient, fewer parts, I can compress that supply chain, and I can get to a lower uh, a lower price vehicle to the consumer, and so. Um, or hold more margin, right? One of the two, or do both. Mm-hmm. And so, so in a hyper-competitive, leaned-out uh, industry that's been at trying to wring out the very last ounces of efficiency for the past hundred years, mm-hmm. um, where do you go from here? And time only marches one way, which is forward. And I think that that is the trend to uh, battery electric. You no, know, that's, that's so a brilliant statement. That, no, there's no question about that. Can, but we're, again, we're, I want to get into the numbers. How, how many the, the electric vehicles, A, can the world produce in the next five years? And B, how many electric vehicles can the world properly charge, knowing that we have an aging uh, grid infrastructure uh, and the uh, buildup of, of, of inventory, of waste material, that's a consideration that's going to, I think, get some more attention. That's why I challenge the ESG of the electric vehicles. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio. I'm Wolfgang Klein, Global News Radio Network, 640 in Toronto. It's a money show designed for you to help educate you and help you become wealthier. That's a good thing, isn't it? You stay tuned now. Money. Listen, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, money. more money talk. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. It's so 80s, isn't it? Well, you know, it's interesting because uh, the automotive industry, I guess, is now, what, well past 100 years in existence. And uh, not a whole lot of change. Still has four wheels. I want wings. I want to be um, like the Jetsons, just be able to move around. We're not there yet. But, uh, well, uh, our cities don't smell as bad as they once did. And uh, a whole lot of change has occurred from burning less coal to introducing a little bit more electric power. Jed Dorsheimer is on the line with us. He's an expert uh, in the space of alternative energy, uh, disruptive technology, uh, and, of course, he's an analyst on the Tesla stock. Uh, Jed, I have to say, with the action of Tesla this week, your phone uh, from hedge funds and institutional investors and brokers and the likes must have been just ringing off the hook with all the excitement around your stock. So so what happened this week? You know, In 60 seconds, explain to us the movement of the stock, both 
up and down and 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 basically I'm gonna say why people at home shouldn't really be participating in these types of movements because you're only going to get hurt yeah so if you go back to um when we went from a hold to a buy which was i think february of 2019 um it was largely on our macro report so as I put together the analysis and opined on our and articulated our viewpoint of the better efficiency, unit economics, what we think the market will go to, and Tesla being the leader, we upgraded from a hold to uh, a buy. Mm-hmm. When we came into, and last year was a painful year, right? You had uh, some that, you know, Tesla had a bunch of different issues, uh, ramping, profitability, as well as uh, debt servicing. Mm-hmm. They came That's through right. most of that coming into the beginning of the year. We raised our price target. I think the first one was $550 uh, at the very beginning of the year. And we were noted as the biggest bull on, uh, on Tesla. Mm-hmm. And quite simply, I just looked at fr- from a perspective of a ledger and saw that, okay, what's the short call? Well, the short call was, hey, this is a fraud and you know, uh, the auditors are in cahoots and they're, uh, you, you know, it was, it was a very tough call that was, was more of the Enron type call. On the positive side, you had, they got through the challenges, the debt was serviced, their cash flow positive, they strung together two quarters. We had uh, data and indication uh, from our contacts uh, in the field and our checks, our proprietary research that suggested they were going to have a strong delivery number. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we thought that we would apply the same uh, profitability. And then you also had China, right? The Shanghai Gigafactory, uh, as well as the launch of the Model Y that would ramp this year, as well as possibly some incremental from the semi-truck. And so uh, in the subsequent two weeks, we got that, right? We got the strong delivery numbers. Stock goes up. We get the profitability on the quarter. Stock goes up. And then, uh, you know, our, our decision yesterday to move from a buy to a hold as the stock went from 300 to 900 in a very short period of time was largely because, uh, one, the coronavirus and the impact of demand in China and the uncertainty around that took one of the legs away from us that, at the very least, to be prudent and pragmatic, we kind of need to see how that plays out so we can uh, frame that a bit and allow the fundamentals to catch up a bit more to the movement in the uh, in the stock. So, so, so Jed. Go ahead, Jack. So, 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 Jed, you look at the coronavirus, and uh, mm-hmm. obviously you don't have – feet on the ground in China right now. But what are you seeing uh, there right now in terms of, I don't know if lockdown's the right term, but uh, they're certainly shutting down uh, a lot of their factories and their economy is very is slowing more than expected. Um, and like I said, only Chinese authorities really can put this types of uh, uh, restrictions, I guess, on their economy. It'd be very difficult for us to do it in North America. Yeah. So, you know, what we've been doing is uh, I've been talking to a leading uh, epi- epidemiologist uh, Demiologist um, that worked in uh, with respect to SARS to try and get because I'm not a scientist. I claim to have zero expertise when it comes to infectious diseases, um, but I'm reading the same headlines is is what you are and want to have a better understanding. And Wuhan is actually one of the centers for a lot of the uh, automotive supply chain. Oh. Better understand uh, sort of what the impact. Hmm. Um, and so for me, we're still, this is fluid and we're working through that. But as you see the data that's coming out, we're not, typically what, I, what, what I'm being told we would want to see is a slowing of the rate of um, 
Correct. Uh, which means New cases. Are not valued. Yeah. Would be coming down. As that comes down, it means the virus is basically dying, and right. therefore your containment protocols would be less. Yeah. We're not seeing that. So at the very least, I look at that and say, well, is the shutdowns of factories likely to end soon, or is it likely to persist? And it seems like it could persist. Um, and that's just simply how I'm, I'm looking at it right now. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, that, that's exactly what the uh, the epidemic, according to uh, those who study the SARS virus, and, and uh, my wife did a little bit of work on it. Um, when, when, the, when the new cases grow exponentially, there's no vision in sight. Once the new cases start to grow at a more linear fashion, they say about you'll have it under control within about two months, but rate of change continues to increase at a more rapid pace. Uh, You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio. It's on the uh, Global News Radio Network, 640 in Toronto. I am Wolfgang Klein, host of the show, Portfolio Manager with Candy Cordinuity Wealth Management. Uh, We're here with Jed Dorsheimer. He is talking Tesla. We're talking electrification. We're talking uh, environmental, social, and governance. Uh, It's all good stuff. It's all very current and on trend. You stay tuned. Making money is the best. So how do you make more money? Come on back after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the show. Yes, the Model T, eh? You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio. We're talking Tesla. We got uh, Jed Dorsheimer on the uh, line here. Um, Jed, let, let's uh, let's pivot over to uh, if the world goes electric, uh, can the grid uh, sustain charging all these vehicles? Um, and then let's talk about uh, charge times um, and uh, the, uh, the the universal plug. Uh, but before we go there, I want to go back to you. General Motors, my estimate, is going to produce and ship about 3 million cars. Uh, Jed, you're telling me Tesla will produce uh, approximately how many cars this year? 500,000. 500,000. Yeah, so, yeah. so, so when does Tesla get to a point where it's producing the same as General Motors? And if it got to that point, good golly, at this rate, what would the stock be worth? Yeah. So, um, so if you look at... Uh, so if you look at the EIA statistics um, for North America, uh, the, I think the um, base case scenario that we have in our macro model is for 30% uh, penetration of battery electrics by 2030. Um, wow. So currently, I think there was a Bloomberg article out uh, yesterday um, on the new energy finance team that quoted Tesla is having 60% market of the battery electric uh, or 60% market share of the battery electric market in uh, North America um, <laughs> with that, uh, you know, 500,000, so to speak. So right. if you get to 3 million, right, we need, we need the TAM to expand. Um, and the likelihood that Tesla is going to keep its market share, in our opinion, is, is less likely. Of course. But the overall pie is going to be growing. So um, right. we, we are currently tracking 170 different um, platforms uh, of vehicles that will be introduced 
by 2024. I think there was a study by McKinsey uh, saying globally they're tracking 400 by 2025. So there is a lot of uh, other companies that will be coming into the uh, marketplace. And I think some of the bears on Tesla are, are, you know, use that as fodder to say, hey, there's a lot more competition. We fully expect there to be competition. I just harken back to uh, looking at it, what's coming out in the stats from those. And part of the challenge, at least from the traditional auto guys, is the culture that's driving that innovation or lack thereof. Um, and, uh, and I think that speaks to the stats that we saw from Porsche versus, uh, versus Tesla. That's an interesting statement, culture driving performance. It makes actually a lot of sense. So what you're saying is the old guard, the old combustible kings, uh, don't have an electric culture and therefore they are handicapped from that uh, mindset? Yeah, so honestly, I didn't understand this until I went and ran a large division of a Fortune 500. So um, what do you think that the culture, if I'm a mature, lean-based manufacturer, and I've got all these business processes to really reduce risk, the culture is going to be one of a massive risk aversion within that organization. Yep. The other thing that they if do with... I think will... about it, innovation, it's all about risk tolerance. Think of a software good point. Company, good point. A fail fast type uh, 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 business model. The yeah. two are largely oil and water. Very, very interesting. I just say when you're in a traditional business, you really want to keep the old processes in place as much as you can both on the new technology. I think when Tesla went out and developed the electric vehicle, they basically started from scratch, started from zero, and built a new technology from that base. They truly did. They, they, they began from a zero base as opposed to every other automotive manufacturer taking the same approach. And that gets down to the frame and versus the walls, right. which takes me now to that funky thing, um, that space age looking thing that, 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 uh, Elon, uh, put on stage and he had a slight embarrassment to himself, but uh, I certainly watched the feature a number of times on YouTube. So he knew how to, he knew how to get eyeballs once again, uh, in his direction. <laughs> so Jed, talk about the, uh, the, the electric truck. Uh, is, is that going to hit the market? Is that thing for real? I think it is. I mean, I think the number of, uh, the number of um, orders has far exceeded, and one could say, well, it's only $100. Maybe, but I think there's a large audience for that, um, and, uh, uh, or a audience for that, I, I should say. Um, that, uh, and if you look at just the traditional trucks from Ford, for example, I mean, nobody has gone as far forward as what Tesla showed with the Cybertruck. But you are seeing the move from... You know, look at an F-250 and pull up a uh, or an F-150 from 10 years ago and then compare it to the Ford Raptor. Um, it directionally, it's towards where uh, uh, in, in that same uh, same direction. I haven't seen the Raptor. Um, what's the price point going to be of that uh, of that vehicle? The, the, the truck? I think there's three, 37 or so, 50 and then 70. The, 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 that's uh, impressive or, price point. I, I got my, my 16-year-old Volkswagen Golf diesel, <laughs> I admit it, um, uh, car wash. See, the reason I car washed my car on the weekend because I was in cooking school and as I backed out of the underground parking, I 
wasn't paying enough attention. I scraped a pillar, and I got some of the paint from the pillar onto my bumpers. Ah, time for a car wash. It didn't bother me that I scraped my car because my car is worth about 3000 bucks. It didn't bother me. I went to the car wash, and in front of me was a pickup truck, a Dodge pickup truck with, a, I think, a 5.6 or a 6.7, 6.7 Hemi engine in it. And the thing was like a monster. It was a, a double cab, big back end. It was a monster Dodge. And the, the fellow was watching it with the attendants, and uh, I said, that's a lot of truck you got there, guy. He said, well, yeah, it's two months old. It's beautiful, isn't it? Take a look inside. And, All right, look inside, and yada, yada. I said, what's the vehicle worth? He said, 115000 I I choked. I said, 115000 He said, it cost me $500 in fuel a week. Said, it is the most fuel-inefficient thing I've ever seen. I couldn't believe it, and there was one guy in it. He said, well, I use it for work. So do I use my vehicle for work? But the, so the, the Tesla, the, that's interesting because I think it's a very differentiated product. Uh, and the price point is very, I'd almost buy one of those things. Look, you're listening to Hi-Fi Radio. It's a global news radio network, 640 in Toronto. Quick break. You stay tuned. We're going to help educate you to become wealthier. Stay with us. There's more shows still to come. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. That could be written for Elon, eh? That song could have been written for Elon Musk. Uh, except it says she as opposed to he. Boy, he is an eccentric, and I love him. Um, well, he's come up with a very, very cool lineup of vehicles, getting a lot of attention, and uh, money is flowing towards the uh, stock, as you know. It's been making headlines this week. It's just been absolutely on fire. Uh Fortunately, at Canaccord, we do invest in ESG, which is Environmental, Social, and Governance. It's a it's a acronym uh, of 2020. That's certainly getting a lot of headlines, a lot of attention. Um, so you might as well be aware of it. ESG. Uh, Jed, uh, analyst with Canaccord, cover Tesla. Um, how often, when you're talking to investors about Tesla and the fundamentals, the manufacturing, and the disruption and the efficiencies. Do you get into the discussion about ESG? How relevant is that to the story? It hasn't become that relevant yet, um, but I do think that it is going to become more and more relevant. So much so that uh, you know where I'm spending most of the ESG discussions is. Uh, you know, internally with our different uh, geographies so that Canaccord can develop a cohesive uh, uh, brand um, around that. And uh, so there is a lot of attention that's uh, and, and thought. Um, and I think what I've seen so far, so as head of sustainability in the U.S. Um, and have kind of, have, uh, being in this sector for 20 years, uh, the one big mistake that I see most make is um, to conflate clean tech with that of sustainability or ESG. And I think the two um, can be the same, but they can also be different. And so setting up a criteria for um, how to benchmark, particularly around governance, uh, as well as uh, social and environmental is uh, is really important. But it's interesting because clean tech too is a big theme this year. Without and just look at Ballard Power uh, stock's been on fire. We're getting calls on it. Um, so going forward, you know, help us. How do you play the space? Uh, is it real? Um, and and is it worth the effort? 
Well, I think from a mo- mobility and transport perspective, which Tesla is is you know the the you know the leading name that we get questions on, we kind of look at that. We started to look through that supply chain and say, okay, how are they more efficient? How can we uh, leverage that? And uh, and that leads us to Cree, to ST Micro, uh, to names that play into that ecosystem. From a pure ESG perspective, we have not uh, uh, published a report on um, uh, uh, launching an index or anything of sure. uh, that yet. Um, but you know, as I mentioned, you know, you mentioned Ballard. I, I would I would say that um, in the context of when I covered solar, I think many of the solar names were looked at as ESG compliant. Mm-hmm. And I would argue that if you're giving away solar panels with no hope of really turning profitable, you're not an ESG company, and you're not exhibiting good governance. And so that's what I was getting at. Yeah. That I think. You can, and meanwhile, you could have a traditional company that, like a Microsoft or Home Depot. Example. Yeah, they're they're apparently hitting the yeah, ESG list. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. So, so I think that whole landscape is going to be shifting in the next couple of years mm-hmm. in terms of which companies can be good stewards, and that there will be money that will flow to those companies for those reasons. Right. Um, but we need to be really thoughtful where. We're not just knee-jerk to get something out quickly to kind of play into that trend in terms of how to think about what our criteria is, and we're in that process right now. So, so Jed, taking this conversation back to Tesla in an ESG sort of sense and clean technology, we talked about it being more efficient. It's uh, three to four times more efficient than internal combustion engines. But you also have that battery pack. So you got to develop the battery pack. You have to mine for all the materials. But uh, when you have to actually recycle and dispose of it, I think it does have like a 10-year battery life. Um how carbon heavy and how can they actually deal with these types of batteries that are, there's going to be a significant amount of them, obviously, if the world goes electric. Um, how do you see that as a, I guess it's a hurdle yeah, that we're going to have to five, get past. 500,000 new battery packs being produced this year. And so seven, 10 years, they're going to end up in a warehouse somewhere. So let's take battery packs aside and I'll get to that in one second. But if we just look from a carbon perspective, yeah. going from internal combustible to battery electric is roughly about 15% of the carbon. Right. So you're going to be and think about that. Most of the energy production is going to be at utility stations. And so from an emissions, you can scrub that. It's a lot cleaner. Right. So now we go to the battery in terms of the production. Most of them, are, it's going to be lithium. Ion. I'm, I'm you made an interesting point. So I'm sorry to interrupt you, Jed, but you made a good point. I don't want to, I don't want to bypass yeah. it. So your point is it, a, a joule. I think we measure power in joules as well. Megawatts, kilowatts, call it what you want. Um, a power. If you produce it with your car, it, it is going to be dirtier than if a utility produces that power because you're able to scrub of and course. clean. Ah, that's a very interesting point. One's coming out of a tailpipe. You have no containment. The other one, you've got uh, a, you know a chimney where you've got scrubbers and you can at least uh, contain some of the particulates. Um, so from a carbon emissions perspective, it's much, much cleaner. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no doubt about it. Now, from an energy, the other question is, okay, cradle to grave, which is the production yeah. of pulling lithium out of the ground, and there's different processes to do that, which require vastly different amounts of energy, whether we're looking brine, whether we're looking spodumene. And we've got experts down in Australia on the uh, mining team, Reg Spencer, who spends a lot of time thinking through this. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of creating that battery. And then you also mentioned recycling. I mean, I was on the phone with a recycling company, a private company, and one of the interesting things about lithium-ion battery packs is they die 
only because of usually three or four bad actors in terms of the cells of that pack. And so if you can identify those before they fail, um, you don't need to throw away the entire pack. So I think technology has in the past been our guiding light to kind of save us from the, you know, uh, from ourselves, so to speak. And I think once again, as we make this transition, I'm betting on technology that we're going to find solutions to, uh, um, to allow us to, to be cleaner. Uh, Jed Dorsham, I can't thank you enough for joining us on the show uh, today. Uh, friends, it's been a pleasure uh, to spend an hour with you today. I hope you learned something. If you have any questions, you can contact Wolfgang Klein at WolfgangKlein.com anytime. I promise we will get back to you. Uh, you have yourself a great weekend. Thank you for listening to Hi-Fi Radio on the Global News Radio Network, 640 in Toronto. Listening to Hi Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle, portfolio managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any money questions you need answered, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi Fi Radio, for the love of money. We'll see you next week. The preceding program is a specialty program. Unless otherwise identified, the participants on the program are not employees of Chorus Entertainment. Opinions expressed may not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.